All right, we're live. So we got a special mic. What we got here? We got a rocker, Mike and Rob percent. Yep, yep, yep. And PJ Farley. Farley. Okay. Everybody, I'm Rocker Mike. This is Rob Rossi. Rocker Mike and Rob presents Mr. PJ Farley right here. How you doing today, PJ? You doing good today? Doing pretty good, man. All right, my man. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. Uh... (laughs) You have been playing music for a long time, right, Mr. Foley? I have. Okay. Now, history says you've been playing since the age of six. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, playing a little drums, a little bass guitar, right? Yeah, I started out on drums. Well, I started out on pots and pans. Right. My way up to drums, and then, uh, yeah, then bass followed. Okay, okay. Well, I don't want to get go too far behind, okay? I'm going to talk about your new album soon. Uh, your new album called Accent to Change that just came out last week. Uh, you were also, um, well, you still are. You're Trickster, right? Trickster's still around. Technically, yes. Technically, off and on. Okay, yeah. we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, you were also in a band called Ra. You played with Chris Jericho. You got a lot of history, man. I've been around. Yeah. (laughs) All right. right. Well, like we said for a second, you've been playing for a long time, but uh, I think you got into Trickster when you were about 16 years old. Is that right? Uh, Like 15. Wow. Wow. (laughs) How did that, how'd that happen at such a young age? I might've been 14. I don't remember. We saw saw the record. I saw the record at 16. Okay. Okay. Wow. How, how did they, uh, I mean, I guess you just did an audition. How did it, how did that happen? No, I was in, I was already playing in band and, um, I was playing the same all ages clubs with Trickster. Right. Bill. And, um, you know, so we were all friendly and after a while, I guess they just, you know, they needed to make a change with their bass player and I was kind of the same height as them. So they figured we got to get PJ. All right, you you fit criteria. I like that. I like that. Uh, this was about 1989, if I'm right. Like 87, 88. 87, 88. Okay, because yeah. I know I remember Trickster. They kind of came in on the the tail end of the the hair metal stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like to think of it as we didn't come in on the tail end of the hair metal stuff. We created. <laughs> Into the nineties music now, yeah. (laughs) Let's be honest, we were. I mean, I do, I do remember. I mean, I was watching MTV, you know, twenty four hours a day back then. I remember you guys. Yeah, we were late. Now, in eighty nine, in September of eighty nine, Trickster released their debut album, right? Self titled album. You're on that. You're playing bass, right? Right. Okay. Now. Did you go on tour right away on that album, pretty much, right after it came out? Yep. Okay. Well, who were you on tour with? Do you remember? Yeah, of course. It. Um, we started out, we did the first, we booked a, a headlining tour, club tour, just to get on the road. Back in the day, it was like, you signed a major record, uh, record deal, you made your record, you made your video, they put right. you in a tour bus, and you went on tour. Whether you played to fucking nobody or full house, it was like get to work, and they supported you. Labels supported you financially, so we hadn't sold one record yet. We were already on a tour bus, touring and playing to you know fifty people a night. If that, wow, 
And in the middle of that, like after the first week of that, like three week headlining tour, we were booked, we got the call to do the Striper tour. So we turned the bus around. We were in Florida, turned the bus around, went up to Toronto and started a tour with Striper. From there, we went on to Don Dokken. From there, we went on to Poison. And from there, we went on to Scorpions. From there, wow. we went on to Warren. Wow, Warren, too. <laughs> what What was it like opening for the Scorpions? Incredible. I mean, I saw them in, like, 86, I think. I mean, those guys, by, by 89, they were like road warriors by that point. They've been around forever by that point. By 86, much. They've been seasoned veterans time, you know, 10 times over by that time. Yeah. Um, so to be able to get on, I mean, we had coming off the Poison Tour, which was amazing to begin with. Poison too. And incredible, man. Like, those, you know what, Poison, you know what's funny? I saw Warren, but I saw Warren like in um, Limelight. And it was like the it was like the Sunday night church, yeah. the rock and roll church. Right. Nice. And yeah. I remember seeing those guy come. I'm like, it was like cycles, yes. cycles, cycles slept from hell. It was such a weird combination. Of hell and Warren. It was such a weird band. Like it was like they were just bringing up bad, and just, yeah. this, this, these guys came. Out. I'm like, who the hell are these guys? It was, they yeah. had like, I think Cherry Pie was like the Good. big song they the had. Uh, that was on the first record. That was the first record. By the yeah. time they were wow. killing it. Wow, wow. <laughs> now, you guys had an MTV video hit at that time uh, for the song called Give It To Me Good. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was like uh, number one in the, remember what was the Friday Night Requests? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was like you guys were kicking ass in that. That's cool. That's cool. Um, what was it like opening Striper? Because Striper was, was you know, I mean, they, they, they were a Christian band. Did yeah. they, did they, was there a lot going on or was it was not much going on with that? What was that like? Well, as luck would have it, this was the Against the Law tour. Oh. oh. This was when they took a break from the When they stopped, yeah. Back. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> okay. We're going to have some beers and we're going to, you know. Yeah. So the debauchery was okay, right? We're going to have some fun, you know. Um, so, yeah, we got them, we got them in the interim. All right. That's <laughs> a wow. Now, you know, when I was doing my research, I wanted to ask you something because I was curious. The song Line of Fire off the, off the debut album, uh, information I had said it was a number one Z-Rock hit. Okay. Yeah, you remember Z-Rock, right? Yeah, Z-Rock here in New York on the AM station. Right. Okay. I, I was thinking, is there a different one? I wasn't. But you know, that, that was the one. And yeah. I mean, Z-Rock, it was... I think it was syndicated. It was just an AM radio here in New York, but it was. It was like 50 it was a something on the AM oh dial. Yeah. That's what I listened to in yeah. 87, 88, 89. I mean, it was fucking Xerox. Like, so we were, you know, Line of Fire was kind of like the teaser single. Um, we didn't do a video for it. It was just kind of a giveaway. Right to give it to me good and yeah it, it kicked ass at a on z-rock which is good it kind of set a good hard rock foundation for us and then by the time we came out with the video for give it to me good it was you know wheels came off and we were off and running yeah oh. yeah now in october of 90 you went on tour with docking right you said you were on tour with docking yeah um 
what was that like? Was that was that any different than maybe a tour with Poison? Or was the same old kind of stuff going on? It was it was well, it was different in the sense it was poison, it was arenas and dock and it was clubs. But I mean it was the same in the sense that great crowds every night. And partially because I mean, obviously poison was on top of their game and it was us slaughter and poison and I mean, you know. Yeah. Wow. Pretty good ticket. Definitely. That's a great ticket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the time we got on the docket tour, we were killing it. We'd gone through months at number one on Down TV. We'd give it to me good. Yeah. Gigantic hit. And then um, one in a million was number one while we were on tour with Dawkins. So, I mean, we were peaking. Did, so, you, did you ever do any live appearances on MTV or was it just the, the regular videos? No, we did. We did like Spring Break, Daytona. Oh, I remember those. Those were pretty wild. Yeah, they? those were pretty wild. I remember that. Yeah, we did that. And, uh, you know, in true trickster fashion, it fucking poured. So we played like under some overhang. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. it was like the worst condition for us because we were on tour with Scorpions. We were, in, we were in Arizona. We played a show, went to the airport, flew to Florida, woke up, pouring rain. Went to the gig, did the gig. It's some makeshift settings under an overhang. Then fly back the next night for a show with Scorpions. Um, but MTV calls, you go. Yeah, in those uh, days, definitely. Yeah, but the Don Docator, I mean, it was great. I mean, it was awesome. It was great. Yeah, I've always heard, I actually, I've never saw Dockin, but I've always heard good things about. Don Dockin as a as a great guy to see. I, I know. I never. I never saw him. I know. It's one of those things, you know. Wow. What are you gonna do? You know what? For me, living in New York, a lot of places that I saw my band with mostly on Roseland was a great venue to yeah. see. Yeah. Like it's small. Dockin opened for. I mean, next to Great White, Dockin opened for everybody. I saw yeah. Dockin six times before I toured with him, and yeah. I was. And I, I was. Me, me personally, I kind of more into at the time like the punk scene and stuff like that in the city here so i was kind of in a different direction but right. you know when it came to like 80s uh you know hair metal that kind of stuff i liked uh i like poison a lot but i was also like a, a huge hanoi rocks fan hanoi rock was great yeah they kind of blurred the line between hair band and punk kind of rock they kind of, right they were kind of like in the middle I was a huge Hanoi Rocks fan, and they were, they weren't, nobody considered them like hair metal. Right? It was, I don't know if it was because they were from England or. They were from Finland. Yeah, Finland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or what, but they were just a real legit hard rock band. They, they got lumped in with that, but they really had nothing to do with it. Yeah. They were, they were like you said, they were closer to punk than. Than hand metal, they were kind of like uh, they were like the original Guns and Roses. Guns and Roses was totally influenced by yeah. them, absolutely. You know, speaking of influences, like what what were your influences growing up? Uh, Kiss, Army Crew, Aerosmith, right. you know the usual suspects. Mm -hmm. Did you hang out? I mean, I know you're from Jersey. Did you come into the city at all as a teenager? Going to scrap that Unlight, Cat Club, Cat Club, Cat Club. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Right. I always love limelight. Was always that special. The rock and roll church on Sunday was always amazing. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I used to hang at Scrap Bar, Cat Club, um, just some of the dive bars on the Lower East Side. You know, you always rubbing elbows with somebody. And then wind up in Mars Bar. And, 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 <laughs> right, at the end of the night, end up in Mars Bar and, and not know where the hell you are. What's <laughs> your name? I can write a book about how many times I did that. <laughs> wow. But um, okay, so let, let me ask you this. Now, the, the first album was out, it did well. You guys were ready to release a second album, which you did in October 1992. Uh, the album was called Here, right? Okay. I'm curious because music was changing at that point. This was 1992. Uh, you had the rise of like Nirvana and bands like that, the grunge bands that came. Did did you guys see that as a threat to what you're doing? Like maybe this what we're doing is not going to be popular anymore, or you just were like, you know, like fuck it, we'll just keep going. What 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 did you think when you were making that album? Um, yeah, we weren't at all concerned about it. Okay. It wasn't there yet. While we were making that record, it wasn't there yet. Um, yeah. It was, you know, bubbling on the underground scene still. So, um, didn't have to take into consideration, you know, getting hung by our flannel shirts in a couple of months. <laughs> you know, That's true. <laughs> we were just like, da, 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 making a record, making another record, go on a tour. Yeah. Go on a tour with kids too. Gonna take over the world again, cocky little fuckers, and you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, trap door in cloud nine. Here comes grunge. Yeah. Oh, totally, man. totally different world. It changed everything. Yeah. I still remember that coming on, and I'm like, what the hell is this? But all the bands sounded the same almost to me. There was one Like I said, I was in the punk scene. So like when I heard that grunge was starting to like be really big, I'm like, this is like nothing that I haven't heard before, really. You know what I mean? It's like I've been listening to the Stooges for 20 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like not much different. But you guys released that second album and then you went on tour with Kiss, right? It was their revenge tour, that album. Yeah. What was that? What was it like being on tour with Kiss? That's you got you. You got to give us a, a good story or something. That's today. impressive. We're, we're big Kiss fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to tell us something. Well, it was always like we were at least three of us: myself, Steve, and our drummer were uh, Gus. Huge Kiss fans. Right. Singer, not so much. You know, but for us, it was like touring with Kiss. They were the mega. So when we got that tour, we were just so stoked out of our mind. And to be able to be able to see Kiss every night for free. Right. Uh, and be able to say, we're going on tour with Kiss. That's pretty much growing up as a kid. That's all we ever wanted. Cool. So, you know, it was amazing. And what was even more unique about it was the fact that it was the Revenge Tour, which is an amazing record. It is. Amazing record. Um, but because it was in 1992, it was in that transition where um, they were just done playing without the makeup. And so the tour wasn't that great. We, you know, yeah. it was, Some nights were great. A couple sellouts. More often than not, it was half house. And wow. less sometimes. So it was kind of unique 
being on the, you know, Kiss tour, we're going to Kiss, rocking the world. And then seeing them play to 2,000 people in the 15,000 seat arena. It yeah. was like, we would go out there and watch like this. Yeah. Oh. And they, it's the same show. They put right. on the same fucking show, whether it was a sold out show at the Palace in Auburn Hills, or if it was 2,500 people at, you know, the Arco Arena in Sacramento. It was the same show. Kick ass every night. Wow. Wow. Now, how did they how did they treat you as an opening band? Did they treat you guys good. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, really I've, I've, I've always heard that they're very good the opening bands, at least usually. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. We saw them. Uh, my, me and my wife saw them uh, last year on the, the farewell fa farewell tour, if you want to call it that. Okay, yeah. at uh, Nassau Coliseum, and I hadn't seen them in like. 20 years easily 25 years oh, wow. I think, well when did when did psycho Circus come out like 96 something like that later than that maybe maybe 95 something like that no, no, no. Yeah, no. When, when they put the makeup circus, back no, on out, psycho circuit came out like maybe 2000 is it okay i'm a little messed up 2000 all right that was the last <laughs> i saw them on that tour okay and uh they still had, you know, with, with this one, they were great. I mean, high energy and everything. And they're a bunch of, you know, veterans. They've been around for 45 years now. I mean, yeah, well, more than that, 50 years almost. So it's, it's amazing. But uh, I think the whole coronavirus thing messed up their tour because they, they had continued on and then yeah, we're going to come more. back and then it got all messed up. You know, but you know what I mean? Maybe they will come back. They'll do a second farewell tour. <laughs> They've done a lot of farewell tours. So, didn't the Rolling Stone ever done one? No, no they don't go on, right? No, Rolling Stones never say that they're, they're hanging out. They never, never hang out. <laughs> That's true. Um, all right, so you know, how, how did that, that second album when you toured it? You went to Japan, right? Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Oh, Japan's a good place. How'd they receive you? It was great. We, it was only two shows sold out. Killer. Amazing. Amazing experience. Everything we had heard about it, that's how it was. Running behind the vehicle, chasing us. Yeah, like the Beatles. <laughs> at the hotel, morning, noon, and night. Um, yeah, it was, they made dolls of you. And, you know, everything you heard about going to Japan that's what it was. Wow. It's true. It's true. So many bands have said that. It's like the most amazing place to play. You know, what could yeah. they love like American music? They love, they they love, love rock America. and roll. They love that whole genre. Like, they'll go crazy over that. There's bands that didn't make it, but then they go to Japan and the careers like rejuvenated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got that right. Now, with the second album, uh, MCA, I believe, dropped you. Right. Right before we went to Japan, actually. Oh, wow. 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 I guess they, they took care of the tour for you, and that was it? Yeah, they said, Sayonara. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. That's funny. Um, what'd you do at that point? I mean, it must have been, a, you know, tragic. No, nah, I mean, we knew the writing was on the wall because we, that whole KISS tour, the first day of the KISS tour, our record came out, and it just wasn't going well. The record yeah. was picked up by radio because of the change of format. So by the end of that tour, we were like, mm, tour's over. That might not be all that's over. Um, so we were 
prepared for the worst when we got home from that Kiss tour. Um, Faster Pussycat was on the Kiss tour with us for a month. They got dropped halfway through. They had to go home. So it was like, all right, we know it's coming. Was it? Was it? When you say the change of format on the radio, was it because of grunge? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Because I remember it was like one day they were playing guys in your genre, and the next day it was the war. I mean, it was really like a Literally. quick turnaround. You know, Literally. Our radio people would be like, oh, the new Trickster song. Oh, well, you got me a day late because just at noon today we changed formats to alternative radio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stations like K Rock did that. Yeah, K Rock you know? did yeah. that really quick. Yeah. Like K Rock, but you know what? Classic rock was always good. But K Rock, you know, if you want to listen to music, you were most likely to like new music. You would listen to K Rock. It was like they went from like hair metal band to like the next day, boom, boom, grunge. I was like, what yeah. the hell is this? Like, it sounded like it was a whole new station. Also, yeah, yeah it was. So it is, man. So when disco went out to like see you later disco. Yeah, disco is oh. the same thing, man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, you know, once they dropped you, what, what what did you decide to do? I mean, did you, uh, you know, what did you do for a few years? Because I know you joined up with Ra around 2002, right? Yeah, well, after um, we got dropped from the label, we sat around for a couple months. And then, no, after the Kiss tour, we did like a four or five month headlining club tour, which was amazing. Right. Uh, it was like our like a tour Real headlining tours, yeah, it was it was amazing. Um, were you playing clubs or, or bigger? Clubs, big theaters. I mean, some markets were really good. Like even in that climate, it was great. Um, and then we went home, and then we're like, all right, let's kind of regroup. And then sat around for a couple months, and then we put out a covers record, and we went out and toured for a couple months on that. You know, and we got home from that. And we're like, all right, she's. She's done. No, you know, we're not, nobody's opening up their door for us here. Let's not even try. Let's not go scratching at doors that aren't going to open. We know what's going on here. So Steve and I continued to write and record and formed, an, formed a bunch of different bands, kind of transitioned really by forming different bands, same band with different names. Yeah. yeah. In that whole process, I joined Ra in 2002. And then, um, Went on tour and yeah, and then before I knew it, I was in the act of rock, new metal kind of. Yeah, no, rock, rock new, was a. a I was in the new K rock yeah. land you know, where it was yeah. like. I, I, was I, like I, I do remember raw, yeah. and uh, they were part of that whole new metal genre, like you say. Uh, yeah. You know, quite different than what you were doing before. Right. Um, was that something you felt comfortable playing with right away you were really into it or yeah you you jumped oh yeah i mean right up my alley i have a very hard rock background because although i was listening to rat bon jovi skid row you know all that stuff alongside that i was listening to slayer megadeth and anthrax okay yes all that stuff too so i mean i enjoyed it all and but the thing with, with Ra, and I was asked to join that band before their first record. Um, and I, I couldn't do it because Steve and I had worked so hard on this other project. Um, but the thing with Ra, it was just, it was funky, but hard rock. So, but it was singing. It was great singing and hooks. 
So yeah. that's where you got me. If you got great vocals and a killer beat, you know, I'm in. That, yeah, that grabs you. I got yeah, you. Yeah, that definitely grabs you. That uh, sounds good. Now, the, the one raw album you play on, I think it, it's just called, it's called Duality, right? Yeah, well, I mean, we have, shit, let me count. How many are you on? Let's just, I'm on all of them except the first one because I wasn't in the band. I joined the wow. band on that touring cycle. Are they still active had, now, Rob? I, I was asked to join the band right before they did that record. Yes. And I couldn't do it. I, I turned down. Um, and they went. They made that record months later, and then a couple of months after that, they called me. So I kind of there was that little block of months where they got signed and made a record, and then they called me. And I was like, "All right, now you have a record deal on Universal Records. You're on tour. I love the tunes, and what me and Steve were working so hard at, you know, kind of fizzled. Right. So like, all right, I'm in. Um, so. I toured for six months, I think, on that first Raw record. And then, we I mean, we made shit. What did we do? We did Duality after that. We did Black Sun. We did Live Record. Right. We did Critical Mass. We did... I'm, I think there's five or six. Yeah. Are they still active at all, or, or has that been done? Funny you should mention, yeah. We have a new record coming out. New oh, single oh, coming out. New singles coming out at the end of October, and new records coming out. I think end of February, maybe. It's been, it's been a little while, right? Since you've had yeah. It's been about six years. We put a record out in 2014, maybe. Yeah. Wow, 2014. Um, but yeah, we just got back together this year. We did Rocked back in February. That was our first show in like six or seven years. Right. And uh, yeah, I'm going out in two weeks to go finish tracking the record. Already did a couple songs. Where are you recording it? What's that? Where are you recording it? Uh, we started it in LA and now we're finishing it in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh, okay. Nice. Okay. So, interesting enough is you know, you're playing in raw in the early mid 2000s and Trickster kind of reunites again, right? Yeah, in 2008. And you guys did a, did a live album right off the bat. Trickster? Yeah, or no? No, Trickster, we had a live record we put out in, I don't remember what year. We put the band back together in 2008. Yep. And then I think in, by 2010, we put out, fuck, I don't even remember. Was it 2010? Uh, new the, Audio Machine? What, what, uh, new Audio Machine is 2012. 2012, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. In 2014, we put out Human Era. Okay. Okay. Wow. But also, you got asked to go on the Lita Ford tour. You were playing with her. Yeah, I joined up with her in 2009. Right. And with her until about the beginning of 2012, maybe. Yeah. January of 2012, maybe. Now we did we did a show. God, we've done so many shows. It had to be about a year and a half ago. We did a show on the Runaways. Yeah. And uh, how was it? How was it like touring with her? I mean, I've heard, I've heard she's, she's pretty cool. She is. She's, I mean, she's old school rock and roll, you know? Yeah. Hang with the best of them for sure. Um, it was great because I got to do a lot of things that I never, I never did. First thing I did was go tour Europe and do all the European festivals with her, which wow. is amazing for me. You know, I've always heard about them and 
It's never, never, Trickster never went to Europe. I was just going to say, you never went to Europe, not even with Kiss? No. Wow. Rod didn't go to Europe. Still haven't gone to Europe. I mean, Lita was my first opportunity to go to Europe. So that was amazing. She's pretty popular there, yeah. too. Yeah. Let and me, we let me ask you a question. Uh, how is it in Europe? How's the crowd in Europe? Is it like, are they like American or is it totally different culture shock? Um, no, European crowds are still, I think they got the edge on the American festival crowds. Ooh. Don't, get wrong. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. You know, America knows how to rock, but we have so much of it here. And so, like, no points off. We, we we get a lot here. So Europe, when American bands go over there, they go fucking bonkers. <laughs> so, so it's not like, you know, for the American crowds, going to a festival with a bunch of American bands, it's like, yeah, they're having a good time. They appreciate it. But you don't have that real deep, like, appreciation because – you know we're going to be back in three months anyway, or definitely well, not. I, I get that, yeah. You're playing Dive with Metal in Milan, Italy, and it's all American bands. They're going fucking crazy. Or you're doing Bang Your Head in Germany. It's like they're going crazy because it's there's a good blend of European bands, but the American bands there, I mean, blended in with those European bands. It's, you know, you're getting a great reaction. You're not there all the time. Yeah, you, I mean, once you, if you're seeing a band, you might not see them again for five years. Who knows? Right. You know? That's true. Now, um, tell us a little bit about your first solo album called Boutique Sound Frames. Mm -hmm. um, came out in 2016. Yeah. What was the, how'd that get started? What was the impetus of that? Well, it was just basically the accumulation of songs that I had collected while, you know, in that time period that Steve and I were writing and recording for the bands that we had in between the Trickster bookends um anything i felt like i was writing that was really just kind of for me uh i just recorded and just kind of stashed away i'm like i have the song it's not right for this band but i need to get it down so i recorded it and i waited on it i waited for fucking 10 years or so and i just collected songs and then one, one day i woke up i think it was after after we did like uh human era I was like, I had a couple more songs and we recorded Human Era. I'm like, you know what, while I'm here and in recording mode, let me get a couple more songs down. I recorded like two or three more songs. And I'm like, all right, it's time to get these songs out. And, you know, because when I recorded the songs, you had to have a record deal, otherwise nobody heard you. And I was not about to fucking play that game. That's not why I wrote those songs. I wrote them just to get them out, to be creative. And uh, I wasn't about to go play the record label game. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. So I sat on them until they were until I was good and ready. And then I found myself by the time Human Era came out, I'm like, all right, we got the cloud, we got YouTube, we got iTunes, we got all this shit. Let me just put it in the cloud now. Let me release the dubs. And really that's all it was about. It wasn't about, you know, releasing a record to take on the world or anything. It was like I have a collection of what I think are great songs that need to be heard. And now it's easy to get them out there. Fucking one click in the whole world, world can hear him. So that was really it. And then it was really well received. Um, so, you know, then I had kids and family and 
went into the baby bubble for a couple of years. So I, re I really kind of shut down the songwriting aspect of like full songs and like where I was coming from as a songwriter, um, where I didn't have to just kind of contribute like a riff or a, the, a bud of an idea. So, and then really working up to about two years ago where I started writing again and I took it slow, started with a song or two, recorded it. I was like, all right. Then I kept writing and kept coming and uh, kept recording them. And then before I knew it, I'm like, all right, well, right around five, six songs. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm doing a record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's great. That's great. And you have the second album, Accent to Change, that came out last week. Um, are you going to be touring this? Uh, I think Mike told me you, you had some, some dates recently, right? I, ha I don't have any dates for me solo as of right now. Okay. Uh, the dates I do have are, are with Eric Martin. Oh. I, I, we play together. and uh, But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to go out and play, whether it's solo acoustic shows or full band shows. I'd like to do both. Once the world opens again. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, the world is kind of. I was just out last weekend. We're going out next weekend. Me and Eric <clears throat> have been kind of secretly touring. And I toured with Fozzie in August. I toured. I ask you about Fozzie because my buddy here, my partner, is a big Chris Jericho fan. Yeah, I'm a huge. I'm, I, I'm a huge <laughs> fake wrestling fan. <laughs> That's redundant, right? Um, I love it. It's it's. it's so I toured with him. He was my, when I toured with Fozzie, it was my first trip in five months. And I got on the road fucking so good, man. It was so awesome to go out and rock again. And then after that, me and Eric went and did shows. We did shows last weekend. You know, half capacities, guidelines, everything. Yeah. But sold out to, within their guidelines. And we got shows next week. We have shows all throughout the, the rest of the year. And um, you know, we do it within the guidelines and carefully. That's all you can do right now. The show must go on. Exactly. Look, I'm not going to I won't go out and do the stadiums right now. I'll leave that for next year. Yeah. yeah. But I'll bring it back down to the. Okay. I think that's a good thing because people need entertainment, man. It's got to be. They, they appreciate it. Yeah. They yeah. appreciate it. It's just, it's, especially it's, now, PJ, because like, you know, we've we we've gone through this whole pandemic, and it, you know, and hopefully we're coming out the other side. I hope, and then that you know, when when everything gets back to some kind of normalcy, I mean, people are gonna go crazy, right? I mean, like somebody showed. So. You know what? I hope so, and um, I think, you know, you take for granted certain things certain luxuries and stuff. And we as musicians and traveling musicians and, you know, road dogs, you know, this is where we make our living, you know. Obviously, we're not selling records anymore <laughs> to the point to where they're paying for the house. You know, we got to get out on the road and make our, you know, got to get out on the road and trap a bear and bring home supper. I mean, me, I'm, I'm, I'm a professional appreciator of music, okay? I, I'm not in a band, but I just, music is my life, okay? Yeah. And I, I've been so, you know, cooped up at home and going crazy that like three weeks ago I went to see a Stones cover band on Long Island. <laughs> I was just like, I'm like, I gotta get out. I gotta see something because the whole city, the city's closed. There's no shows going on. So I ended up going out to Nassau 
and catching this Stones cover in this little bar. And I was like, this is fucking great. I mean, it's, I had the best time, you know? I went to Thompson Square Park and they have like little punk band play. Yeah. And it's pretty impressive how people are keeping the social distance. These guys are just out there and dismissive playing playing music like every Saturday. Yeah, they like, all these do little that, yeah. punk bands just get guys get together. That's jam. <laughs> yeah, the uh the create the creative uh ways we come up with to do shows nowadays are pretty impressive. You know, where there's a will, there's a way. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> well, listen, DJ, I want to tell you when you, next time you come to the city, okay, I want you to look us up. We hang out at the International Bar on First Avenue and 6th Street. That's our spot. A couple other places, but that's our main spot. You got a seat there waiting for you, okay? Excellent. I like to say right. bring, <laughs> bring your wife, whatever, bring your friends. Anything you want, we'll take care of you, all right? International. Yep, yep. Famous spot, international. If you ever saw the Rolling Stone video, um, waiting on a friend, he walks by the original international. Keith Richards, <laughs> Keith Richards, yeah. Keith Richards walked right past in the video. It's a good spot. And then once we cut, he walked right into it. <laughs> yeah, they left that part out. They, they, they were waiting for him while he was in there for three hours. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. Well, listen, I want to thank you for coming on today, all right? And we wish you the best of luck with the new album. Thank you. And, uh, you know, let's hope we get back to normal. You guys can start playing a lot more shows. But good luck with what you got planned ahead, okay? Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'll be okay. seeing you international. Definitely look us up, look all us right? Up, brother. <laughs> and what, what, do, what do me and you always say, Rob, at the end of the show? We don't get drunk. We, we get, get lumped up. up. See you guys next weekend. Thank you, PJ. Thank you very all much. Right, Take care, brother. Hey guys. Great show. Good show.